Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Led. We have a really fun topic today and the most perfect person to be talking to about this. I, I get asked questions about dreams all the time. And honestly, I am by like, I'm like the worst person to ask this question because I have very little info. So I just stumbled upon Aaron's work and just fell in love with him and his work. And he's just so knowledgeable on this topic and many other topics, but he has been so kind to share his wisdom on dreams today. So welcome, Aaron Walker, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me here. So Aaron, why do you like, why do you believe that dreams can be helpful? Because some people are just like, like myself, I'm just like very curious about dreams. But you, in your work, you seem to, to see the benefit, like in a self-development type of way. Like how, how does that work? Yeah, so I really teach a lot about dreams for personal development. Um, I think that dreams allow us to really access another part of ourselves. There is what Andrew Holacek calls wake centricity, and it's really um, like a predominant theme in Western society where we really identify with this with this uh, part of ourself that's really only present during the waking state of consciousness. But in many other cultures, they identify more with the other states of consciousness, like the sleep state and the dream state, or the dream state and even the uh, dreamless sleep state. Um, so I really believe that these other states and these other bandwidths of consciousness really allow us to access information that we wouldn't really know if we only paid attention to this, just this one part of ourselves. Oh my gosh. That's so fascinating. That's so true. It's like almost, you almost feel like we're missing so many other pieces to the puzzle. Like if we only <laughs> really focus on like this one identity, we're missing so much. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know other cultures. Um, see, this is like all new for me. Obviously I mean, I have you here for like my own, <laughs> my own knowledge too. Um, so can you tell me um, what are like some of the different dream states? Like, cause you mentioned dream work and you also mentioned lucid dreaming. So is there any way you can kind of explain to us maybe the different types of dreaming? If there are any, if that's. Yeah. So um, most of the time we think about the dreams of the REM stage of sleep, rapid eye, rapid eye movement. And these are like those fully immersive narrative sort of dreams where you see, hear, taste, touch, smell, you have thoughts, you have a dream body. You know, so most of the time you have a dream body. Um, so we have the, these types of dreams, but there are also dreams that correspond with the other stages of sleep. Um, so like liminal dreams, liminal dreaming, some people don't consider these dreams. Some people don't even consider this a stage of sleep. I do, but the dreams that happen during the liminal stage, which is kind of the state of consciousness that we are in as we're falling asleep or as we are waking up. Um, mm. so as we're falling asleep, this is called hypnopompia. And then uh, it's called hypnogagia. And then as we're waking up, this is called hypnopompia. 
Um, and so you do have dreams during this stage of sleep, but they may not be as immersive. So it just may be like auditory hallucinations or just faces or just colors or shapes, but they may not come together and coalesce into like a fully immersive narrative. And then you also have the dreamless sleep mm, okay, state. Okay. Yeah, so this is the stage of sleep um, where there are no dreams. So this is gonna be like that delta wave stage of sleep, like the deepest state. And um, the, you also have the sleep cycle. So if you're going by the sleep cycles, this would be stage four sleep. So where we get a lot of our restorative rest and this is where our body is rebuilding itself and our fingernails grow and our hair and the hair on our body grows during this stage of sleep. But there are no, there are no dreams during this stage of sleep. So you also have that stage. Oh, fascinating. So what is this? What are the like, what is the stage or maybe the stages that can be most beneficial to us? Like, which are the ones that maybe we want to pay attention to because they might give us more info or insight on ourselves? Well, um, they're all different. So I, I don't think that there's one like more, it, it just depends on what type of work that you are doing. But um, the stages of sleep, so stage one and stage two are really gonna be as you're falling asleep. So you're drowsy, you're going from this beta wave um, state of consciousness. Beta is going to be like where you're thinking and you're processing. Um, it's, very, it's a very active uh, stage of sleep. I mean, stage of consciousness. Then um, as you go into the alpha stage, you're kind of more relaxed. You're very relaxed, but you're not exactly unconscious as we think about it in relation to the waking state. Um, so you're kind of just in this in-between zone. So this is once again, the hypnopompia or the hypnogagia. You'll, you'll have those experiences. Um, and some people may call this liminal, the liminal state. So liminal just means on the edge. So you're in between waking and, and sleeping. Um, so then you have stage three sleep. Um, so you're actually asleep at this point. Um, you have stage four sleep, which is once again, there are no dreams there. There's no narrative dreams there or anything like that. And then you pop back up to the REM stage of sleep where you have those narrative sort of dreams. And this is actually the lightest stage of sleep is, is you're, when you're in REM stage of sleep, you could almost wake up. You're like very, very close to waking up. And this is actually where we have those dreams that in Western society, we think of as dreams. Once again, the full narratives, the immersive stories you see, you hear, you taste, you touch, you smell, all of that good stuff. Oh, okay. Fascinating. You know, it's so interesting, like the stages of sleep, I understand, like, as you're explaining it, I understand it well, because of watching my kids fall asleep. So I have three children. My youngest is four. I've obviously helped all of them fall asleep at some stage in their life. But the four-year-old, you know, I'm pretty much falling asleep with him every night, like helping, <laughs> you know, just kind of being there. And he's so funny because right before he falls asleep, which I think a lot of parents can probably relate to this, 
he gets like really chatty and like really rowdy and and it's mm-hmm. just chatter that like makes no sense it's it, I mean it makes sense it's basically like his brain he's like he's basically talking out loud everything that our brain is actually doing right before we go to sleep that it's like telling us all these to-do lists or the things that happen during the day that it's just kind of running and he tells me these like random like stories of like the thing that he saw on you know on his ipad and then like what his teacher said and then jumping to a fat a fun fact he'll tell me about like precipitation or like whatever he's learning and they it's really interesting and then he goes into this just like from all that chatter just straight from that chatter he just goes into this like peaceful kind of just chill chill out like stage and then he falls asleep so it's so fascinating that like he acts out some of these stages that you're like explaining basically. Yes. And, and you can absolutely see it when you observe someone, you know, uh, especially like children. Um, So yeah, as you're falling asleep, especially in those liminal stages, you're really responding to both sides of the coin, if you will. So the dream state is a very emotionally and thought responsive state. Um, so many people, if they wake up during this time, you know, on the latter end, um, maybe the sleep atonia hasn't wore off. So they experience sleep paralysis or, you know, on the front end, maybe you see things in the corner and you think that the pile of clothes is a monster or you hear someone calling your name. And this is the more dreaming side of it, because once again, the dreams are very thought and emotionally responsive. So when you're hovering in this liminal state, you have like one foot in in one world and one foot in the other. So you're kind of, you know, responding to your thoughts and responding to your emotions and you may be seeing things and you may be hearing things. So it's, it's like the waking state of the brain is slowly, slowly, slowly shutting down. And then this other this other state is coming online. Mm, fascinating. So then in the, the um, I think perhaps it was the fourth stage, I'm pretty, forgetting exactly, but the stage that we all consider dreaming that you were saying, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, pretty much the REM, like, stage. Oh, this, the REM stage. So mm-hmm. there's, what are some of the, I, I kind of feel that there must be like categories for the type of dreams we have just because since I teach a lot of metaphysical concepts and we do a lot of um meditations that we're like in the theta brainwave state and we're Mm -hmm. you know we're we're seeing a lot we're having like you know spiritual experiences psychic all our psychic abilities are turning on and sometimes when you're practicing that work some of our students will um, then start talking about their dreams getting much more vivid or, um, you know, expressing some, uh, some crossover. And they have questions like, this thing happened in my dream. Like, is it my spirit guide that like is sending me a message? Um, is it my subconscious? Like, there's a lot of, for some reason, like these experiences that we have in class prompt people to have to see their dreams more and have more questions about their dreams. Do you think dreams are all like, are they all just a kind of a fabrication of the subconscious? Are some of them spiritual experiences? Like, I mean, I don't know if that's too big of a question. No, 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 you're perfectly okay. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So um, 
as we so there are a few different categories of dreams the most the most common type of dream that we have we can refer to it as a samsaric dream and this is a dream kind of what you're talking about relating to what we have done during the daytime so um if you're doing a lot of spiritual practices if you are, and it doesn't even have to relate to spiritual practices, it, it, it's related to anything, any content that you're consuming or during, doing during the day. So um, they tend to show up in your dreams. And this is by, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with karma. There are different types of karma as well. So the one that really influences dreams in this way is called proximate karma. And it just means the things that we were doing in uh, right before what we're doing right now, those it, it tends to those tendencies tend to blend together. So, um, say you were watching a lot of murder mysteries during the day, or you've been, you know, binge watching, you know, murder mysteries on Netflix. Then you'll probably tend to have dreams that reflect, you know, the content of those shows and the things that you have been. Um, you know, thinking about and practicing and really just engaging in during the daytime. So these are samsaric dreams. And um, then there are the lucid dreams. So the lucid dream is when you are aware that you are dreaming while you are dreaming. So that's the difference between the samsaric dream and the lucid dream. In the samsaric dream, you're not aware that you are dreaming while you're dreaming. So I give the example often of like uh, a tiger, say you are in your kitchen and a tiger comes from around the corner and you get really scared and then you start to run. Typically you're not aware at that point that you're dreaming. You know, you think that the dream is real life. You don't realize that it's a dream. So in a lucid dream, you would know that you are dreaming while in the dream state. So that tiger comes around the corner and you have a completely different reaction to it because um, you know that it's not a waking state tiger. It's a dream mm -hmm. state tiger. Mm -hmm. okay. And then in the samsaric dreams, mm -hmm. would you then say that perhaps like if I was watching those Netflix shows Mm -hmm. And then I have this dream that makes me, you know, nervous or whatever. I'm seeing these like, you know, murders going on in my dreams. Would, would it be accurate to say then like maybe what, like what we would take away from that is saying like, maybe I have no idea how much that media that I'm consuming is affecting me. And that when I'm, when I'm dreaming and I kind of like, I don't have any defenses up, I can see that like, maybe this is not a good thing for me because it's scaring me while I'm sleeping or, it's, or I'm having an uncomfortable dream would it would it then tell us like perhaps tone down those type of shows maybe it's like not good for you or does it not or do we just you know experience that dream and be like oh whatever like I just I'm watching these shows like how does it can it inform us about ourselves can it um can it help us like are there tips that our dreams are almost trying to show us yeah, so that is, let me see how to approach this. And so it, it's, it's different for different people. It's, it's not always, we can't always categorize just because I have a dream. Dreams always have a meaning. So I, I do think that dreams have a meaning, but they don't always have like a profound, deep meaning other than 
hey, you were watching Netflix before you went to bed. You know, that that may just be the meaning. Or sometimes we experience very exciting dreams if we eat certain things before we went to bed. So I know if I eat chocolate before I go to sleep, I'm probably going to have a crazy dream, like a crazy, scary dream. Now, does that scary dream mean that I have internal conflicts going on? It could mean that, or it could just mean that I was eating chocolate before I went to bed. And this is the way that the, the body is responding. In the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there's actually different ways that dreams come about. And one of the ways is things that you consume, whether that be food and drink or things that you consume like through your sense, your other senses, like things that you watch or things that you read. Dreams can also show you um, things like illnesses that are going on in your body. And these are, in that tradition, it's said that the winds, which we could consider just energy, as the winds travel through the body, where the energy or the winds settle creates a type of dream. So the dreams can also be showing you, you know, oh, where certain energies are being, um, I guess, stored or influenced in the body. So I think that this one is a tougher question because dreams don't always have a very deep, profound meaning. Now they can, especially if you're intentionally cultivating those dreams. But uh, from my perspective, if you're not intentionally cultivating those types of dreams and you're not doing practices that actually directly relate to dreaming, then most of the times those dreams are just going to be dreams showing you what has what you are been what you've been focused on during the daytime. Um, well, now you're gonna have to tell us how to cultivate these dreams. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know you're like dangling the carrot in front of me. Like, so tell me what are these practices? This is super fascinating, by the way, because I. I just, you know, just, I, even I just think about my husband, who's another person I, you know, obviously that I'm watching his sleep and there's so many times that he has t crazy dreams. And I've always thought that he's eat a little too late. And I'm like, I think that <laughs> what you're eating is probably causing like a restless sleep. And definitely it's fascinating. Again, it's so fascinating too, that like, like you were saying, like, I think the monk, uh, monks or there's other like cultures that actually probably intentionally eat certain things or, you know, watch certain mm -hmm. things in order to make that happen, which I never thought about even trying that. So any, um, you know, any tips that we can, that can help us cultivate a dream that I guess is more useful, perhaps? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I would say is to really, um, if someone is not practicing meditation and the meditation that I would suggest is called shamatha. Um, most of the time it's spelled S H A M A T H A. And this is a mindfulness practice and mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness in the most traditional sense means to bear something in mind. So most of the time you're going to be bearing some type of object of attention in mind. 
Many people who are familiar with mindfulness meditation practices are probably familiar with mindfulness of breathing, which there are, once again, various types. There's the Burmese method, there's Asanga's method. I, I think when I hear people explain to me what they're doing the most, they refer to the Theravada method, which is focusing on the sensations of the breath at the nostrils or above the upper lip. Um, but the first thing that I would suggest is to really develop a solid meditation practice. And the reason why is because we want to have a very clear mind. If not, then you run the risk of just dreaming many of these samsaric dreams, which you're probably going to be dreaming anyway, but we want to just have those dreams as clear as possible. That way we're not um, confusing the meanings of the dreams. Like sometimes people will ask me, oh, I dreamt of someone who has passed away. Does this mean that the person is trying to contact me? Well, if you don't, if you have a very clouded mind and you haven't been doing a lot of energy, like clearing practices, probably not. It just probably be, means that you've been thinking about this person or maybe that you miss them, or maybe that um, a quality of that person, a, a characteristic of their personality that you associate with that person is kind of uh, coming forth. Like, um, I, personally, I'm a very introverted person. My sister, she's a very extroverted person. So if I'm dreaming about my sister, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily mean that my sister's trying to contact me. It could just mean that Maybe a part of me, which is kind of what you're alluding to, like personal development work, maybe a part of me is saying, hmm, there's something about this characteristic of being more extroverted that has been on my mind recently. And because I haven't been paying attention to that in the daytime, my mind is going to wait till I fall asleep and my defenses are lowered and I'll pay more attention. But the dreams always speak to us in symbols and metaphors. So it's not going to say, hey, try expressing yourself more or try being more assertive. It may show you an image of a person who you associate with being more expressive or being more assertive. Um, I know that was a lot of rambling, but bring you back no, to the tips. That was great. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> So I would say definitely practice mindfulness or shamatha meditation. That way you are really um, clearing your mind. And I really, honestly, I hate to use that phrase that you're just really being more focused. You're, you're being more focused um, and then cultivating dreams there are many ways. I think an easy way is to journal. And you could just write a phrase over and over and over like, tonight I am going to dream about X, Y, or Z. You know, tonight I'm going to dream about um, how I can help myself and my health and fitness. I'm going to have a dream about health and fitness. And you can just write that over and over and over for maybe 10 or 15 minutes before you go to bed to kind of prime that prime that in your mind. That way, once again, because of the law of proximate karma, that's really the last thing on our mind that we thought about that we were really engaging with as we were falling asleep. And you could get a dream like that. 
Now, if you're trying to do this, I would suggest doing this for many nights because you may want to collect a few dreams, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10 dreams because it may not happen on the first night um, or the second night or the third night. <laughs> um, so you may want to do this for a while and kind of collect the dreams. And maybe you may have a dream that you directly see, okay, this of course relates to my health and fitness, you know, in the dream I was working out or in the dream I was in a grocery store and I was trying to make healthier decisions. But you could have a dream once again, just um, where the dream is speaking to you in a metaphor or a symbol. So maybe you dream of um, someone who you've been watching on YouTube and they have, you know, maybe it's like a yoga channel and you dream that you're interacting with this, with this uh, yoga teacher, or you could be dreaming. Uh, it's, it's really hard to explain because it could, it, you know, it could manifest as so many different possibilities. Um, Who do you, um, this is so interesting. And, and it's so good mm -hmm. to hear too, that, um, that you, you know, if you, when you start cultivating, like don't give up because sometimes it doesn't happen the first, second night, you know, third time dream, but like, you know, third time you, you try. So that's really good to hear. And then do you have any like opinion on who, and who is probably not the word, but like who is giving the dreams, you know, like, um, like, is it, is it mm -hmm. your higher self that's like showing you these messages? Like, is it, um, your mind, like any idea, like what is actually giving you the dream or the, or, or like the clearer dream, like after you're cultivating it and after you're kind of being more intentional about it, any idea of like what's serving it up to us? So, so all the way that it's traditionally explained is all phenomena rise within the space of awareness. So whether it's daytime phenomena or whether it's nighttime phenomena, they all have this basis in what is called the storehouse consciousness. If you want the traditional term, it's called the alaya vijnana. Uh, alaya is like this basis. It means like a basis. It's similar to the himalayas. Um, we hear that uh, that same root from Sanskrit in that in that word the Himala the Himalayan mountains, um, and Vijnana is this consciousness that pervades this space. Um, so all of the phenomena, even the waking state, the things that you see and the things that you hear, and all of your interactions, they arise and collapse back into this space. And we can really think about this as we're falling asleep. It's like um, all of the things that you see around you, all of the things that you hear as you fall asleep, all of these phenomena, even the phenomena of the body itself, of the waking physical body, it collapses back into this, this emptiness. And then after a while, all of these other phenomena, the dream phenomena rise from that same emptiness. And then as you're, as you're waking up the dream phenomena collapse back into this space and then the waking phenomena rise rise from this space so um it could be that go ahead 
That's beautiful. I'm actually staring at the waves crash right now. And as you're explaining and I was like, just like a wave, like it just one goes out and the other one comes back in and, and really just seeing, it's just a, such a new way to look at light. Like, I, I think we just discount sleep altogether, you know, and it's actually just one continuous um, experience basically like just one is going in and the other one is going out. Uh, you mm-hmm. explained that so well. I thought that was really beautiful. And I like that you brought up the waves because this is actually a metaphor that's often used that the, the phenomena are like the waves and the entire spectrum of experience, I guess we could call it is like the ocean. At what point are the waves separate from the ocean where they're, mm-hmm. they're not really, different but they're not exactly the same there is a space there is a space from which all the potential can come like the ocean when it's at rest but then there are movements like movements of the mind which is like when the ocean is not at rest and you see the waves and some waves may be big and some waves may be small but they're not separate from the ocean they 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 are they are the ocean So to answer your question, all of these experiences are arising from that um, primordial, um, from that primordial consciousness, we could call it, this primordial consciousness, this state in which all potential already exists. I do believe that sometimes dreams are given to us by what we could call our higher self or even other entities, but I honestly shy away from that because many people will think that their samsaric dreams are given to them from their higher self, which is not the case. And most of the time you're having samsaric dreams. So it's just a slippery slope because as I think as human beings, especially in the waking state of consciousness, we always want to believe that maybe a dream that we perceive as important or significant is given to us by some higher being or some, some uh, dream guide, which is, it, it, it may, but most of the time, no. <laughs> most right. of the time. Which is, which is, for some people can be a little disturbing or, you know, uh, uh, not as satisfying. But uh, once again, that's why I do recommend practicing like shamatha meditation, because then you are putting yourself in a place where those dreams that you want, those dreams are called dreams of clarity or the clear light dreams. They will most likely come about but even these, it, it takes years of practice, years of dedication to these types of mindfulness meditation and other types of practices in order to really, because what you're really trying to do is um, deal with the karma. You're trying to deal with the tendencies and you need to purify, 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 clear, 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 so that you're getting in, the, you're getting those things out of the way. And once again, the, then the dreams that come up are less likely to be those samsaric dreams are less likely to be dreams about, you know, I've been doing X, Y, or Z in the daytime. So this is what I'm going to thus dream about during the nighttime. Right. So, so it's like clearing, like first, like getting, you know, clearing all that stuff out. And then 
sounds like there's like some level of discernment too, that once you're mm-hmm. starting to have more of those, being able to kind of feel into the difference of, you know, just a, uh, you know, a regular dream to, to something that's more, to more meaningful. And definitely, I mean, because of the work that I do in the waking state, um, you know, once you do some of that work that you're connecting with your higher self, your guides, things like that, you, you will also be able to like taste the same flavor in certain dreams and then therefore know like, oh, this dream looks very similar to that other experience, like spiritual experience I had. So, you know, most likely this is like, you know, an important dream or something to, to consider. So it's like, you know, just getting to Mm -hmm. that place where you can discern those moments. um, It sounds like, so um, lucid dreaming, you mentioned earlier, and I've, again, I'm such a novice when it comes to dreams. Um, How can people make themselves lucid dream? I actually don't think, I can't think of a lucid, a lucid dream I've had. Like I feel, I've heard people talk about that, that type of dreaming that they know they're dreaming. I, that's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I've had those. So like, can you make yourself have those? Yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you can, you can. And that, that's actually what I teach. I teach people how to have lucid dreams for personal development purposes, but you can absolutely make yourself have a, have a lucid dream. It's not, it's not uncommon at all. And, um, it's, it, it is, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it's very possible. So anyone who has a strong intention and a strong desire, which is actually the first, very first thing that you need, you can definitely intentionally induce a lucid dream. And is it done the same way? Like, do we start off the same way where we are setting the intention before going to sleep or is it something we're doing like while we're sleeping? So actually I would suggest starting in the daytime because remember our dreams typically reflect what we have been doing during the day. So what you want to do is do a lot of awareness practices where you are cultivating lucidity because lucidity is not just um, during the nighttime. Lucidity is during any stage of consciousness, any, any state of consciousness. And lucid dreaming is actually just a tool to improve that. So many times when we're going through our day, we're actually going through our day and we're not lucid. So think about like when you're driving or you're walking somewhere and you kind of just end up at that place, but you weren't actually present um, step by step. You kind of just, you know, your unconscious kind of takes over. And because you've driven this road so much, you really don't have to think about it. You're just driving kind of on autopilot. This is the same thing that's happening in those samsaric dreams. It's the karma, the tendencies that are taking over and driving that and driving those dreams and driving those experiences. So um, once again, another way is to practice shamatha meditation because this is the practice of lucidity in itself. When you rest awareness on that object, whether it be the sensations of the breath at the nostrils, or if you're using another type of shamatha practice, um, you'll notice that 
your your in the beginning your mind is going to be very very distracted you may not even get 15 seconds into meditation without thoughts of oh my to-do list and what happened to me earlier today and oh my what i need to do to tomorrow for tomorrow or just work things and school things and relationships and even um what you you're hearing outside or maybe you're meditating in the morning and someone's making coffee in the next room and you're smelling the coffee all of these phenomena are pulling the awareness away from this object of attention. So at this point, we're becoming distracted. We're actually not even meditating anymore because remember mindfulness meditation means bearing that object in mind, not forgetting that object, being aware and being, uh, being lucid. So when we're practicing this type of meditation, we're practicing that exact skill. Um, so you want to practice things like mindfulness meditation, and you really want to be as present as you can during the day, because then those habits, those tendencies trickle over into the dream state, and you are going to eventually have dreams where you're being present during that dream as well. I would also advise keeping a dream journal. This is one of the main things that you will hear about. Um, and this, once again, increases awareness uh, of the dream because you're going to begin to have more vivid dreams. You're going to have longer dreams and you're going to notice patterns in your dream. Um, I'm not sure. Do you do you? tend to see a pattern in your dreams? Do you typically dream that you are in a certain place or in a certain situation? Do you, do you ever notice that you kind of have like repetitive dreams? Yes. I was actually one of my questions. I have a lot of things to say about number one, Erin, we're manifesting a dream journal by you. Cause obviously that's like your next product. You have to have a dream journal. Right? Ah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so my, um, I teach um, a program called Soul Teacher. And my last class, we, I'm with the girls for three months. And um, they, my last class as a grad graduation gift, one of the, the gifts they gave me was a dream journal, which I've never mm. had one. And it is like been the most helpful little tool I can't even tell you because I have so many dreams um and I just you know just I wake up I go with my life and but it has been so extremely helpful that the it just asks you like a few prompts and it's really just to get into the practice so mm -hmm. I I also recommend that's been very helpful for me and I recommend that as well and um there has been stages in my life where I have had reoccurring dreams there's nothing um super current right now but there was this one reoccurring dream that was driving me insane. And it was this dream that um, every, every so often I would find myself dreaming that I was like dating and mm -hmm. I have been married for 10 years <laughs> and I love my husband and we're like, you know, in a happy relationship. So I would have these dreams that, and, and you know what, those were probably lucid dreams because I was like very aware that this was there. Oh my gosh. So I did have, I do have lucid dreams. Okay, fine. I lied. I do have lucid dreams. These were definitely, these were definitely lucid dreams. Cause I would be, it was almost, I was watching myself in the dream is kind of how I was experience it. And I would have these dreams that I was just like going about in my day. Like I was me, but I was, it was like me minus like 
my children and my husband, but I was like still mm-hmm. doing the same work and like living the same way, just like minus that life. And somewhere in the middle of like my life, I would stop and I'd be like, okay, this year I'm going to find the love of my life. Like this is a year. And I would see myself like getting on dating apps, which is funny because I met my husband like right before dating apps were popular. So I, I, I've never mm-hmm. used uh, dating apps, but I do a lot of um, spiritual dating work. Like that's part of, um, that was like the, before I got really into the metaphysical work that I'm known for now, I was doing a lot of like dating work and kind of explaining it through the spiritual lens. So for a while, when I was having those dreams, I was just like kind of throwing them away and being like, well, that's just because I teach dating. So I'm like, you know, I'm having these, I'm almost like experiencing what the women are experiencing. And like, that's just Mm -hmm. part of like how I'm getting the wisdom. And I kind of just took it as like, at night I would, I could put myself in their shoes, but I, I would think that if, if I knew the meaning of the dream, maybe it would stop coming and it, they kept coming. So I was like, okay, there's something like I'm missing here. And eventually there was a time where I started to understand the dreams as me, like not seeing that my husband was like the love of my life. Um, because I'm very like, I'm just, I'm a can't, I have a lot of cancer energy. I'm a, like a big romantic. And, you know, I, I actually like, that's why I love teaching dating. Cause I think it's like a beautiful process. And in a way it was like, I don't know, like almost like when you, when women watch like those romantic comedies and like, you're like, Oh, you're like kind of living into that rom-com. And, you know, after you've been married for 10 years, like maybe that's, you don't have like that excitement of the first few, you know, times of dating and all that kind of stuff. And once I realized that, and I was like, oh, like I'm in my own like romantic comedy, like I'm in like the story of like the, I'm in the middle of like that story of the love of my life. When I had that awareness, the dreams finally stopped. (laughs) So, so I, I really, I mean, cross your fingers. It's just, but I, I promise I was having these dreams for years. Like, and, (laughs) and I mean, it was like, it was painful and I'm sure some of it was because because of, you know, what I was teaching, mm-hmm. but I was just at some point when they got very lucid when, cause the dream would end where I would go like, but wait, I'm married to Benny. And then I would wake up. So it was like, I didn't know about that. Like, I didn't know about my husband, the whole dream. And it was like, at the end of the dream, when I told myself that you're married to Benny is when I would like wake up from the dream. So finally, like did some like work around that. And I, I thought it was very helpful because it made me um, look at my husband and my relationship in a very different way um, and to appreciate it in a, in a different way. So I don't, I don't know if I did a good job teach, like, I don't know if that was a good or bad <laughs> <Yes>. story. <laughs> you did an amazing job. Um, repetitive dreams typically come about when the, our mind is trying to give us a message. And typically it's a message that we can receive in the daytime. But since we haven't been receiving that message, then the mind will say, okay, well, you didn't hear me the first few times. So I'm just going to wait till you fall asleep and you can't ignore me anymore. And then I'm going to give you a situation that will just continue to come back until you get my message. So typically once you get the message, the the dream goes away. Yes. It's like harassment. It's it's harassment. (laughs) Yes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. There were two things that you said too, that I wanted to hit on. Um, the dream journal. I'm so glad that you have one. So for people 
who have a dream journal or who want to get a dream journal, this is a great way into lucidity practices. Um, so I would suggest dating, you know, I, I will put like today is the 11th. So when I go to sleep tonight, I'll write February 11th at the top of the page. And then I'll write title and emotions. So I'll, when I wake up, I will write down the dreams in as much detail as I can, give the dream a title. And if you can give an emotional value to it. And sometimes emotion is not a good word because um, sometimes I can't, I don't have like a specific emotion, but even like a genre, if you were thinking of, you know, your dream as a movie or a book, you know, like um, what would you kind of categorize this dream as? So you'll do this for a number of nights. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go back and you're going to look for patterns. Like I often dream that I'm in a school. I dream I'm in schools all the time. And so I this have is that your... dream too. I go, yes, back, so... I, I go back to high school. What is that about? Yes, back to high school all the time. I'm always there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe next time I go, I'll see if I, I can find you. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> And so once you have, I would say maybe at least 10 dreams and then um, look for these patterns. And I'll bring in the second thing that I wanted to talk about and kind of weave these two together. I think it's important for um, us all to understand the difference between vivid dreams and lucid dreams. So I'll tell you my first lucid dream. Um, so remember, a lucid dream is where we have waking state consciousness in the dream state. So sometimes we think that a lucid dream is a vivid dream. A vivid dream, you can have a vivid non-lucid dream and you can have a vivid lucid dream. And just vivid means it's very detailed. The sense, there's a lot of sensations and it's very like hyper-realistic. Like it's, it's, sometimes it's more real than the waking state, it seems like. But to give an illustration, my first lucid dream, and it actually came from a repetitive dream I had when I was little, um, I kept dreaming that I would go on the side of my grandmother's house and these witches would come from the sky and they would come down and they would carry me away. And this dream happened over and over and over, I mean, for so long. Then one time I was walking out of my grandmother's house, I walk around the corner and then I hear a voice, boom, from the sky. It's like, stop. So I stop. I'm like, okay. And it's like, don't be scared, but you're dreaming right now. This is a dream. So I look around and I'm like, it looks like real life. And so the, the voice tells me, take three steps and look up towards your left and three witches are going to come you'll see that this is a dream. So I take three steps, one, two, three. I look up to the left and in the sky, I see a very, very small black dot. The small black dot grows bigger and bigger and then it separates into three dots. And then as the dots come closer, they form into witches. And then I realize, oh, this is a dream. So at this point, I'm awake the mind is awake. I know that I'm dreaming while I'm in the dream. So when the witches come, now I have more freedom. 
So I knock the middle witch off her broom and I take her broom and I fly away, which in, in lucid dreams, one of the one of the things that a lot of people like to do in lucid dreams is to fly or to manipulate the dream in some kind of way. But in a lucid dream, you know that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. So your relation to the dream and your relation to the phenomena now is different versus when we're in a non-lucid dream, we take the dream as reality. So we don't know that we're dreaming while we're dreaming. Um, does that make sense? Yes, it makes total, total sense. And did the dream stop for you once you did that? That dream did stop, actually. And it's been one of my goals for years to go back to that dream <laughs> and ask those witches some questions. I've been meaning to find those witches and I can never get back to that dream. But yeah. hopefully it will happen one day and I will, you know, get to ask my questions. But that dream did stop after that. <laughs> yeah, I would want to know what those witches had to say, too. It sounds um, sounds important. Um, Erin, one of my last questions, because you've been just so generous with your information. Um, do you believe in, well, first, I guess, do you believe in past lives? And like, do, do you, can people dream of past life memories? Like, can we go into other, like, memories from other lifetimes, maybe past or future? Is I mean, is, I don't know if that's in the scope of your work. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Um, I don't teach that, but I don't not teach that. I do teach how to become lucid in the dream and then techniques within the lucid dream to extract information or to like one of the things is like a door, which is not a take. I do use the technique, but not very often because it just actually doesn't work for me, but it works for a lot of people. So um, if you're listening to this and you have a lucid dream and you want to change one dream to another, you can go up to a door, a closed door. And you remember the dream is very emotionally and thought responsive. So you can say, okay, on the other side of this door is my grandmother's house. And you expect that when you walk through that door, you'll be in your grandmother's house. So you open up the door and you go through it and then the dream changes to your grandmother's house. So you can absolutely go to the past or go to the future, you know, in, in, in the dream state. And this is, this is a very, this is more dream yoga, which is even a step above lucid dreaming. Um, so this is a very advanced practice of dream, of dream work and lucid dreaming. But yeah, I do believe in past lives and I do believe that that is very possible, very, very possible. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's so endless. There's just so many, look at all this work we can do while we're sleeping. <laughs> oh, this is just so interesting. And Erin, my last question, um, I think I said that just before, but this is my real last question. Um, a solid, you said a solid meditation practice. And I think we're always mm -hmm. trying to, you know, understand what is a solid, you know, spiritual practice or meditation practice. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's going to, you know, it is different for everybody, but um, mm -hmm. what, what would you like, like in a perfect world, like what would be a nice meditation for your your students like is it every day how many minutes um you know uh like how, how committed um should we be like what does that look like for you mm -hmm. so i i i, I tend to follow the like tibetan buddhist tradition 
And it's recommended twice a day for one bhakti. And a bhakti is a period of 24 minutes, 24 to 26 minutes. Um, so, however, this does not work for everyone. So I think that the best meditation is an effective meditation. So if you find that you're practicing mindfulness meditation and you cannot rest aware, the focus of awareness on that object of attention for 20, 20 minutes, you know, and you find, you know, after 10 minutes, your mind is really, really distracted. At that point, you don't want to continue to push the meditation because all you're doing is teaching yourself to be distracted. So if a sh in the beginning, if you need to have shorter meditation practices that are more efficient, more the awareness, the focus of awareness is more sharply focused, then do that. And then as time goes on and you get used to the practice, then extend it. But you don't want to train yourself to be distracted. You don't want to train yourself to pay attention to these extraneous thoughts, especially in the beginning when your practice does not include that. There are more advanced practices that do include not suppressing or pushing away the thoughts that we typically um, receive those instructions in the, in the beginning of our mindfulness meditation practice. But, you know, you want to you want to have an effective practice. That's that's the most important part. So if you can't meditate for a long time without becoming distracted, then meditate for a shorter time. If you can meditate for a long time, then, you know, begin to push yourself more and more and more. But do it a, a, a little bit at a, a little bit at a time. I love that. I love that. Tip. I think we can totally get to 26 minutes twice a day. I mean, it's think about how many minutes we spend on Instagram, which is where I found you. <laughs> um, but Erin, this is such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for sharing your time with us. I mean, you are uh, such a, you know, wealth of information and your, your energy is so beautiful. I'm so grateful that you spent so much time studying mindfulness and all the energy work. And I feel like there's probably a story behind how you got into that. So I, I definitely, I feel like I want to have another conversation about that work. Um, but that, you know, thank you. Thank you for the time. I found you on Instagram. I think you were doing like one of your, um, workshops. I want to say, where, uh, do you, is that, uh, do you like spend most of your time there or are you, are you on other platforms? Like where can we find you the most? Yeah. So I, am mostly on Instagram, but I am expanding. So I also have YouTube and it's the same name, Higher Alignment. And on YouTube, I actually, my YouTube is divided into different series. So for those of you who are interested in mindfulness meditation, there's even a mindfulness meditation series where I explain in depth what is mindfulness meditation, what it's not. I give you practices that you can use. There's a lucid dreaming series where I'm actually guiding you on my personal lucid dreaming journey. But as always, I love to serve. So as I'm explaining my experiences, I'm also giving you tips on how to dive deeper or even how to begin your practice. There are There's an EFT series where I teach it, the emotional freedom technique or tapping. There are um, lots of sophageal frequencies, subliminal affirmations. There's a personal development series. So I'm on there as well. But I do a lot of work on Instagram, which is where I host a lot of free personal development workshops. I at least do one or two a week. So you can always catch me there. 
Um, and I also have Facebook. You can just find me on my name, Erin Walker. I have a group called the Higher Alignment Community, where I give a lot of free information and free tips and free workshops um, and activities there as well. So mostly Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Amazing. Well, we will link to all that. And I didn't know you had those um, categories on YouTube. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And your course, which um, is all on, you know, actually being able to get to the lucid dreaming stage mm -hmm. and, and about dreams and all that, which is, which we'll also link to. But um, thank you, Erin. Thank you so much. Uh, any last words? Um, well, thank you so much, Nikki, for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And for those who are interested in dream work, it is it is an amazing practice. It, it, as you can see, we went down a very deep rabbit hole. So, you know, and it goes even deeper. So if that is something that anyone is interested in, I would absolutely encourage you to pursue it. It is very rewarding. It is very fulfilling. And you learn a lot. You, you learn about a lot about yourself. So um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like your own personal <laughs> therapist. Nice. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much. And, um, we are very grateful to, you and we can't wait to, you know, hang out with you more. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys so much. If you love what you're hearing, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend? That little review does so much. It's so damn helpful. You don't even know. So thank you for that. And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.